This episode of Super Pulp Science was brought to you by Quirkylicious, that's me, and I'll be showing up at Winterfest on February 23rd. Attention, citizens, it's time for Super Pulp Science. This is Super Pulp Science, where we talk about how genre gets made. We have a returning special guest here today. Hello, Drake. Hello. Remember when you came on our podcast last time? Yeah. Yeah? I distinctly remember shit-talking my art college. (laughs) (laughs) That's uh, that's about how it went down. Um, You are in town. What brings you to town? Uh, Work vacation. Just trying to get out of my big empty house. And visiting a special someone I'm seeing. Oh, Justin. Yeah. That's oh, so yeah, nice. that's right. <laughs> yeah, it's so nice of you to say that about him. Um, here on the podcast, we let our feelings, we let them yeah. out. We let them out for I've everybody. been thinking about that a lot, too, like going on. Well, feelings. But uh, like work vacation, because once the convention season ends, we kind of all just go off to our houses and stay there for like four months without really moving. True. Well, haven't it's, you been looking into a... Train ride to Churchill? Well, not not as much Churchill. It's still a thing. I didn't realize the train to Churchill was still running. I thought a couple years ago they stopped doing that. No, it started up again. And it started up again. again. So I was very excited to find out that's still a thing and that's still a possibility. And I love the idea of, as as we discussed on the last podcast, uh, train rides and murder mysteries on said train rides. It's it's on my so bucket list. So you would like to murder someone on a train? There's going to be Europe mur- is the place for that. I feel. Yeah. yeah. But it's like, it's a 26-hour train ride. Somebody's got to die, right? Like, <laughs> it'll happen. Maybe just of natural causes if the train ride's long enough. Um, okay, so <laughs> as long as we're talking about time, I think that's what I want to pin both of you guys down on, or maybe we could all talk about it, is time management. Something I think that a lot of uh, creative folks who are doing freelance work have trouble managing is their day-to-day hours and their time and... Um, particularly when they have a deadline. So yesterday I was harassing Drake because he was uh, uh, going to hang out with us, but then he let me know that he had a deadline, that he only had so many hours to finish a certain piece. So I acquiesced and I let him let him be for a while. Um, I didn't let Justin be, though. I just told him he should work harder. I should work harder. Yeah. yeah. Um, but why don't you tell us about this enormous piece that you're working on, Drake, right now? Um, so those of you who play video games, the new Super Smash game dropped, and there's like literally every single character that they've ever created for the franchise coming back so it's like a 70 something 70 to 75 character roster piece and i've decided to do uh something that had all these characters in it so i've just been a detailed piece with all these characters. yeah so yeah. i'm painting each character like i would paint them in like a single pinup portrait that i usually do in an illustration so how many characters uh 70 to 75 and for those of you who are uh, new to the podcast or don't remember Drake from our last episode, he is known online as Quirkalicious. All of his branding is under that. So if you quickly go on your Instagram right now, you'll see what we're talking about. The style is not something to be taken lightly. It's a very painterly, very light source, heavy, you really have to know what you're doing in art kind of way to get it finished. How many hours in would you say you are? Are you being kind of keeping track? So you probably know yeah, exactly. So I average roughly two hours each character. So two times. Is that including the sketch? Uh, or is that just painting? Oh, that's painting? not including the sketch. Yeah, okay. Yeah, you got to think about the sketch. You a lot of yeah. previs to get your composition together. Yeah, I think... 70? What did you say? 70? 
78 characters? 78 characters? 70 to 75. So let's just say 75. Okay, yeah. 75. Yeah. Times two, which is, and that's the, like, total rendering hours. And I think the sketch didn't take me that long. It took me two days of drawing. Then it's probably going to take you two days of tweaking once everybody's painted to get everything. Oh, God, I hope not. Uniformly. I don't know. There's a lot if, of... If I spent two days tweaking, I'm not going to make my deadline. There's a lot of but, tinkering. Yeah, I was hoping, like, I could just tinker it for, like, another another two hours. Because, yeah. So, like, you might be talking about 200 hours of work on this one piece. Yeah. Like, when we talk, when you add the previs and add all the research for all the characters and then... Yes. The actual that painting. That sounds about right. Yeah. Whoa. And hopefully people like it. Oh, I hope so. Yeah, what if they don't <laughs> like it? Then I just might die. <laughs> <laughs> just might be like, I'm not an artist anymore. This, this hobby doesn't love me back. <laughs> I'm done. But I think we all have experiences like that where we kind of went all out on a particular piece or project and then it kind of flopped coming out the gate. Do you have any... Well, you know, Stories like I don't that? know about specifically like that, but I do. I can tell you that anyone who's ever worked in comics and slaved on a panel for like a whole day, you know, you're supposed to do a page a day, but sometimes you just get caught up in like the composition of a single panel and you spend a whole day doing it and people spend maybe three seconds looking at it and then they move on to the next beat of the story. And just knowing that no one will ever really see the effort. And in fact, they shouldn't. If it if they're distracted enough to like stop, that's probably interrupting your story, unless that's the purpose of that panel, to stop and make people hunt for details, then oh, it can be a, uh, you have a lot of mixed emotions. We're going to talk about our emotions on this podcast today. Emotions. Yeah. How about you? Anything fall totally on its face? Uh, I'm, I was trying to think of anything super specific, but I think it happens at least twice a year. I'll put like two days of solid painting into an original piece. And the problem is because I have a lot of fan art Last at my Star table. Fighter. Last Starfighter flopped on its face horribly. That piece did not sell. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was sad. Nobody knew what it was. They just didn't, they didn't love it like you loved it. They didn't love it like I loved it. Um, but yeah, there's at least a couple times a year, I will absolutely love a piece. Once it shows up at the table at conventions, it gets completely overlooked. And usually when I come up with a new piece, I put it front and center. I put it like it's up on display in at least two places. Places and it's early in the book, so it has the best chance of grabbing somebody's attention. Right of place. And after a couple thousand people look at it and it doesn't get much of a reaction, <laughs> it's kind of. It hurts. It hurts, it but hurt that kind of ties back to the whole you always have to be producing, making new things. Like that piece will flop, and then the next idea that I just came up with the night before, I spent a lunch hour on it, I was, this turned out pretty cool. And then suddenly it really clicks with a couple thousand people. Like, those make up for sure well we rag on gallery art um culture once in a while on this show just about like oh, how that it kind of like fun. stands people <laughs> no but what i was going to say is we have to flip it here in this particular instance like some pieces of art uh there is a strong okay so i'll give some context here if you are what you call a commercial artist dear listener then you are trying to make work that might appeal to a broad audience uh if you are hanging work in a gallery the flip of that is true that you are showing it to thousands of people in the hope that the one person it's meant for might find it. So maybe when you see that one person, Justin, who just loves it so much, right? One in a thousand who finally notices it, you should reward them by just uh, giving I've, it to them. So last, last year around this time, I poured 
a really good amount of time into a series called 3029, mm -hmm. which was classy robots in suits. And I did a whole branding package for it. And I mocked up like um, a whole bunch of stuff with the logo and branding and did a series of Even a storefront uh, pieces and, and a storefront like mock up and came up with a story. Um, and the prints went completely overlooked. But every once in a while, somebody really, really loved it and was super intrigued by the idea and wanted the whole collection of prints. And that's something, a project that I want to continue and do like a, a gallery show or something like not at a convention or a trade show, but something like an, an, an exhibition or a show just around that. And right. It's just about a ton showing of, it to people rather than selling it to yes. them. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. And I wonder about that relationship between story and art that happens at shows if it's so hurried like that pace you ever find drake that people's pace at a show just like being pushed along that alleyway you see people turn and look at the work and for a moment you can see them engage with it and then the crowd has just pushed them away like they yeah. really want to love There's it so much other things to yeah. grab their attention that's like also something to think about just like in our particular field of work is you sometimes i purposely go out of my way to find compositions that are eye-catching immediately and or easy to read immediately versus something that like takes some time to soak in even though it could be just as good like objective quality wise but right. in that scenario you're like capturing people's attention is, and yeah it's something I have to think about every now and then not too much though uh I hope that shows up on the Will yeah. I hope? Um, right now, somewhere outside, a building has collapsed, and we have heard <laughs> it on the uh, microphones. They're it's marvelous. Getting the building next to ours and dumping everything into a huge uh, freight container. It's great. Death is a primitive concept. I prefer to think of them as battling evil in another dimension. When you set out to make this enormous 70-character piece, uh, no, 80, almost 80 character piece. 75, 75. 75. We're sticking with 75. That rounds up. I'm rounding <laughs> up. I'm rounding up for his sake. Um, did you think, okay, one of these characters will appeal to somebody? Or did you think people will just love it en masse? Or is this you just saying, I love this stuff, and so I'm doing it my way? Both in the sense where I played the game like since the franchise came out back in the early or mid 90s and i know the iconic like staple characters to the franchise so i try to have them more near the center because they represent the smash bros more than say later dlc characters or just later characters yeah so yeah like placing the way i place the characters and everything it matters so the ones but on the fringes you just don't like. You're totally going to get comments like, why don't you have this character bigger and closer? And yeah. My I, favorite I character will. shoved in the back. Yeah. I don't like that. Because I remember when I was doing the sketch, and there, there was this new character that came out for this game that I totally forgot about. So I actually had to jam him near the middle <laughs> with all the iconic oh, original no. characters. And be, someone's going to be like, <laughs> why is this guy here like, with all the original members of the game? Like, What's going on? Can I get a version where that character is close to the center? Oh God! <laughs> I hope yeah. I hope the art's good enough that people won't, you know, care about nitty details like that and just go, "Wow, this is amazing!" and buy it and won't say anything else. Right. <laughs> but okay, so you 
are working on this 200 hours for a single piece. Mm-hmm. Uh, how many? How long do you think Dragon Nanny the book is going to take you? Oh God! Have you ever uh, thought about it? Broken yeah, down by I have. It's going to be. I think we're we're going to be around 72 pages, and if we average it out, I would say probably 10 hours a page, so about 700 700 hours on that book. All right. So you could do three of those prints. And you could make this seventy-some page book. I also like want to do you make it when you compare the apples and apples together. <laughs> it's kind of messed up, really. It is. I mean, for the long, this is actually my first time doing anything over twenty hours, and it's not something you do for you know comparing apples and apples. It's something you do out of you know self exploration, self. You know, interest. and yeah, is is that why? Like, why? What's the why of this piece? Why did you decide to kind of break the mold of your usual uh, composition and try this really extravagant one? I was originally inspired by a friend actually who spent two hundred ish hours, actually probably longer, because I know he like takes his time working on a piece. Um, yeah, he did this giant elaborate Naruto piece, which is this big anime from like the early 2000s till mid 2000s. And he literally put in every single character and every single pivotal dramatic moment in the anime into this one piece. And I was just super impressed with like the devotion and passion that you can see through working on something so long. So I wanted to kind of replicate that experience through my work for once. It's like Renaissance paintings, you know, like uh, at that time, you know, there'd be like a famous battle, like the Battle of Creasy or something. Yeah. And someone would put like two or three years into this rendition. And so when you stood back, it was like, this is a picture of the cavalry charge over the hill. But when you went into the details, you could literally in some of these paintings look and see, oh, that's Lord so-and-so. And this was the time that he took the arrow that he's famous for yeah. the scar that he carries. And like, there'd be all of these details that we put in these historic contexts, yeah. right? Or there's that one, it's a painting of a gallery, like an art gallery and all the paintings, like it's, it's oh, a the painting paintings of, of the paintings. paintings and yeah. every single painting is like a gorgeous piece of art in itself. And there's like a hundred of them. It's a very famous piece. I'm ashamed I don't know the name of it, but yeah. I saw it and it's amazing. We just make comics. We, we just don't make know about comics. Real art. Yeah. What do you um, <laughs> sequential? Yeah. Um, but it's this notion of uh, when you stand back, you see it as one thing, and when you visit each of the characters, your context related to the subject matter expands your enjoyment of it. So the more someone plays Smash Brothers, the more you'll like your piece. Really. Actually, more on that though. I didn't quite replicate that in my piece. I feel like mine's just something with a lot of work and hours put into it. There's mm. less narrative, like little narratives oh, I see, yeah. that you're talking about, yeah. which was in my friend's Naruto piece. I kind of wish I did was able to do something with like more little narrative things that they could find, but I, I do that in my other work already too, so I don't feel like I was missing out on too much. I just wanted to work on something for a long time and see what it felt like. Yeah. Like if I'd suffer creative fatigue, or even like mechanical fatigue. What uh, what percentage would you say you're done the piece now? You're about 50, 60, 70% done? Uh, I need it done within the, like the next four days. So I'm actually at like 80%, I want to say. And how are you feeling about maybe doing this again in the future? Like right now, if you had to decide to do another one? I definitely would. Yeah? 
That's if good. like if I found another game I was just as passionate about or played as just as long, I would totally not mind working another two hundred hours on something. That's like, good. That's yeah. a good sign. Yeah, it is. Yeah. yeah. And for the sake of the listener who is saying, but aren't you traveling? How are you getting this work done? Like you have a rig at home that you work on. Yeah. And then you made a portable. You brought a laptop and your tablet with you. So you're yeah. just painting. Because he works on a super tiny tablet, you guys. And it breaks my heart. Yeah, I, I love it. I just use I wish it was smaller. <laughs> I wish it was four by four inches like the trackpad I work on. I hate you both so much. Actually, yeah, I used to use a Wacom Bamboo. And the only reason why I upgraded to uh, the portable Cintiq is because my puppy chewed through the cord. And I had to buy a new one. <laughs> and I couldn't find a Bamboo at the time. So I was like... I guess I'll upgrade. Right. <laughs> this is only your full-time job. You should get yeah. the basic version. Well, and people get this idea in their head of, like, if it's digital art, the only way you can do it, the only way that you can put the hours in is, like, at your computer desk, in your office. That's the only way to do it. But the technology has leaped so far that, you know, now I see people at shows doing their DC Comics pages on their iPad Pros, right, while they're talking to fans, and it's like... We're living in the future. That's yeah, kind of wild. I mean, there's a barrier of entry if you're like just starting out, this pretty big ticket item. But um, if you consider that you'll use it for thousand hours in the year at least. But like even when you're starting out, uh, Open Canvas is still free software, correct? No, no. But oh. older versions. Are. Older versions right. are free, and then a Bamboo is like sixty, 60 bucks. 80, yeah. yeah, which is super I mean, affordable. You go and okay, buy a couple paintbrushes and a couple tubes of paint, you're well over a hundred bucks. Yeah, that's so true. If, you know, it's it's an easy entryway. Yeah, and what yeah. I find uh, the most exciting about the painting stuff right now, like digital painting, is talking to my kids about it. Like I don't know really the first thing about doing it the way that say Drake does it, or the way Sam does it, or even the way you do it. But I can go online and find all kinds of tutorials, and like so we'll look for an artist whose style they like. And then we'll go look for YouTube videos for digital painting and just look through the thumbnails and the style that seems somewhat similar mm -hmm. to the one they like. Then we look at how they do it that way. And if I think of how I had to learn how to draw just with like a stack of old 25 cent comics, just doing my best aping the styles that I saw there with no instruction and no books on it and no videos to watch. You didn't have yeah. drawing the Marvel way? Uh, I had that <laughs> later. Yeah. yeah, I did for sure. But it was the only way, yeah. right? <laughs> just, that though like even when i started which was late 90s early 2000s there were so few videos or tutorials just teaching digital painting and now it's mad easy to find like thousands of pages of tutorials from so many creatives it's almost overwhelming yeah yeah it's a little overwhelming you don't even know who to learn from now and then when yeah back when i started i was like where do i find resources like some random japanese website that i Google Translate didn't exist yet, so I was trying to like figure out these tutorials. I had a lot of terrible like how to draw manga and how to draw anime. Like looking back at them now, I there's no screening process for people making these books. These people were not; <laughs> they were just making books of how they drew it. Um, right. And some of the instruction was good, and some was very specific to them. And yeah, all probably not the can best. Be hit or miss. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, my friends and I actually sat around art class making fun of those books yeah as we yeah through them. i had nobody to share that with so i thought this must be this is the holy grail i guess nine hundred thousand you're gonna bust the record the other thing too is if you're looking at people's artwork and you're trying to learn from it and if you're saying to yourself oh i want to be an illustrator as a job right or i want to make comics as a job 
and you're looking online at people who spend 100 hours on a single page, they aren't working on comics as a job, right? It's just, it's not feasible. Like there is some incredible next level, gallery level artwork, digital painting out there, but that isn't sequential. It's not sustainable yeah. to be able to do a sequential book at that time. So like you have to curate your own. Yes, we have this huge wealth of information, but you have to be smart in your searches. And like if you are trying to say, I want to make comics, I want to look at people who make comics, you have to find people who are doing monthly comics and then watch those tutorials because their workflow and their story dynamic and all of their stuff is based around the idea that in a single day, you have to get a complete page so between four to eight panels of storytelling information on the page before you go to sleep that day. And their workflow is going to be vastly different than people who are doing pinups or who are doing like work to hang on walls or, you know, there's, a, there's an entire different discipline and breakdown of that. You know, you can yeah. look at a single panel of a comedy like, oh, there's no background and all. Oh, it's just the character standing there, like waving his arms, yeah, like floating heads talking. And yeah. Right. Yeah. And you can say to yourself like, oh, well, that's not really that artistic. But remember that it's in service to story. Like the yeah. only reason that panel is there is to bridge the gap between the A and the C. Right. You're just trying to get somewhere in the story. And so not every panel needs to be some incredible work yeah. of art. Um, and you can break your heart looking at work like you were looking at the Jeff Darrow oh, collections Jeff we Darrow had yesterday. Jeff a madman. Uh, and but, if you're looking at that and thinking, oh, this is what I have to do to make comics? No, your heart will split in half. It's impossible to do that kind of work. I think Jeff Darrow is probably a good example of um, he's, he's fairly established and people are there for his style and his madness. So he probably he can work a little more to his own schedule and beat of his own drum. Although I... I feel like he probably works pretty fast. Yeah, who knows? Who knows? At I this know. point, probably. Yeah. Cool. We should try um, and get him on the podcast. He's had a few shows that we're at this year. He's just asking. I've tabled. He was the, my very first time in the States doing a show. is at the Chicago Comic Con. I was beside him. Yeah. And he's a very nice guy. Oh, yeah, he's guy. a great guy. I've yeah. talked to him a few times. Mm -hmm. But uh, he's also a good example. Like, he, he wasn't very busy at his show, but in, like, Bookland, guy's like a legend. Yeah. I wonder about that. Um, and I guess it depends on what you are using your show time for. Yeah. You know, and what your barrier to entry is there too. You know, like if he's invited to a show, then he doesn't have to be hustling too much because yeah. they've flown him out and they put him in a hotel and so whatever. But when we have to fly ourselves to a show and pay for the table and pay for the spot and pay for our freight. We're going to put a show on. Yeah, we got to put a show on. We're hustling. Yeah. Um, when you guys are deciding a year's worth of work... Where does this, like, is it this 700 hours you're going to put into Dragon Nanny? Is that like a big roadblock in your other work? Or how do you spread it across everything else that you have to do? How do I? Hmm. Right? Like that's uh, 70 days of work. What I, what I really like about it is it's this long ongoing project that I'm going to kind of like get away from and come back to. So I'm not spending 700 hours straight right. on this same project. I'm going to be putting a ton of hours into it over the next couple of weeks. And then I'm probably going to get away from it for a week or two and pump out a couple one, two-day paintings that'll turn into prints. 
um, and it'll kind of refresh me and and get me excited about coming back to it again. So I think with all my books, none of them were start to finish. That was all I was doing. I was always kind of jumping away and jumping back. And I think that kept it fresh and it helped me sort out the mental roadblocks of what was happening next or what I wanted to how I wanted to handle that scene, etc. Right. And what about you with your manga? I actually don't think I have an answer to your question just because most of my art prints are 8 to 10 hour paintings, maximum 20, like I said. And this is the first time I've done something that's 200 hours, which is kind of crazy. But my manga, on the other hand, since I... Uh, partitioned it, you know, into per chapter, and each chapter I would take a month to release. I would just kind of visit it every now and then while yeah. I'm traveling and doing prints. Yeah, it wasn't something I actively thought about, but the deadline was there every month, so I kind of just like made sure I clocked in enough hours, but it was very loose. I was very organic about it. Uh, I wasn't very strict with myself. Whereas though, like with my prints, and like this 200 or this 200 hour piece i'm a lot more strict about my hours and actually don't like doing other things while i'm doing a print i like to like sit down spend the 10 hours painting something and be like bam done yeah i like to like really laser focus on one project at a time when it comes to digital painting for some reason just get it all done so you yeah. haven't been jumping out of this to work on other things no You're not just... at all yeah but you just kind jump of around a... yeah 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 I feel like we could cut to a song with that kind of intro. But we're not going to, Dan. We're not going to. Um, you put your one foot in. No, you put your right. one that's foot out. Better. That's not the one I was thinking of. <laughs> but that's uh, more related to my credit. Um, that's that's you, your workflow in a <laughs> nutshell. Hokey <laughs> 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 pokey. <laughs> All right. Uh, Justin's fired from Mm -hmm. the podcast now. Um, Yes, I jump in and out. Now, some of it is... (laughs) Oh, my God, Ollie. The hokey pokey. Oh, no. Some of it is expediency. Like today, this morning, for example, I got here early and I had a couple hours that I had to work on something for... um, Pre-visualization for a film project, which is just due. So you just have to get it done. And it wasn't even on my radar two days ago. It was just like, hey, remember that stuff we were working on? Yes. Could you do this, this, and this on it now? Yes. And it just has to take a sort of priority over some other things because there's these tiny little windows of communication uh, when you're trying to get a film project off the ground. And the right image, the right word, the right little scrap of script can be the thing that pushes it over the top. So you just have to do it, right? so Drake and I were both here this morning, and I and we maybe said like four words to each other the entire yeah, time. I thought it was kind of awkward, but I had my show streaming, so I was like, whatever. <laughs> Greg doesn't want to talk, but yeah. I'll watch Community. I was just like, must race to deadline doing podcast in hour. Um, but uh, when I'm working on narrative, like stories, um, and I mean, to me, it's my preferred thing. I'd rather work on comics than on individual prints. So it's a bit of a flip as far as where my workflow goes. So I spend most of my time working on comics pages, like um, maybe 70% of my creative time is comic page output or uh, visualization for film or for theater or whatever, um, storytelling. And then maybe 30% of my time I spend making like single images that would be like, you know, for a gallery or for the comic show floor or any of those kinds of things. 
and I use the those feel more like work like that doing the compositions for the prints mm. feels more like okay I have to really sit down and labor at this to get it right this when I'm working on the comic stuff that's when it comes really easy and it seems really fun and really free but part of that hokey pokey dance is that I'm writing and I'm illustrating so when I can't get the composition right we switch to working on the words getting the dialogue right or the exposition or the overall story beats and I can I'm able to switch around um, the last couple of years I've been trying to pay a lot more attention to my actual hours in rewards out system and if I'm being honest the best thing for me to do would be actually to flip it right you don't make as much from books as you do from art if you're doing it sort of the quote-unquote the right way mm -hmm. going to enough shows and traveling a lot but it's like what you were talking about with uh, Mr. Darrow there if if you can get enough of a back catalog enough of a history that people will show up at the bookstore to buy your book you don't have to travel as much it can do it if the long tail of that comment is long enough then you can avoid the travel and for me I've got you know I've got two kids and I have a wife and we you know I want to see them so I'm trying to put that time in knowing that well I don't get paid as much for my pages or the book work that I'm doing the bigger my back catalog the more likely it is that that back catalog can sustain the work or my work-life balance and then I'll have to travel less so it's kind of an experiment uh, and one of the reasons why I'm been pushing lately to get some other media properties going is there you know it's like my grandma used to say you need to find things that make money while you sleep yep your grandma said the same thing i think right um so yeah it's just all a balance and i don't always get it right victory or death victory or death, victory or death. we just got an exciting email about a an art book project that i don't think is really announced yet yeah i think that's internal still so yeah. we won't announce it but but i liked your kind of tying into what you were just talking about um it's based on a, a a show that everybody's familiar with and everybody's going to be doing these key scenes everybody's going to be doing their art we can already envision what everybody's going to be submitting for this art book and then gregory decided it's instead of doing book there's things in it it, Gregory decided instead of doing a single scene, I'm going to do a comic book page of a scene. Yeah, I thought that that would like be... Like an old school 80s, like golden age looking comic. Yeah. That was a... Based and on, just because it would be more fun yeah. for me. It would stand out as well. And hopefully stand out. Uh, they might just be like, well, this isn't what we asked for and just toss it. But uh, <laughs> um, there's this other side of you where you, you know, like um, Mike Sanders has said, many times to me don't put anything in your portfolio that you don't want to do again right and so if your heart is leaning into one direction right and for me it's doing narrative um do, do it as narrative. much as you can yeah. right just do it as whenever you can whenever the opportunity to show what you want to be doing is um to just give it a shot I mean, I don't think anyone will fly down from the heavens and say, oh, give this guy this comic book when they read that. But maybe they'll read it and they'll enjoy it. And I'll have enjoyed making it and that's enough. I've actually been struggling with deciding what I love more, narrative illustration or just like regular illustration. Like Why mostly. not both? Well, I do do both yeah. right now. And I feel like I'm not... But they're very separate. You have them yeah, in different places. Yeah, they're very separate. Like there's no way for me to really combine them the way I want to. And I also feel like... This 200 character piece has like sucked up all my time. I've literally put in zero hours into my 
current narrative project that I was like kind of thinking about and working on prior. Yeah. Yeah, the one we we're talking about on the last podcast. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you so, haven't been working on it. Um, I did some concept sketches. I did I did some writing in terms of like shaping the world and lore, but I haven't done actual like chapter writing. And I haven't even finished like all the character sheets because yeah, the the game came out and then like I thought about doing this massive 200-hour piece. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to do it. And I'm so laser focused on it. I don't want to move away from it because I'm so obsessed with which are working on one thing from start to finish. Oh, and you're so close to the finish line now, yeah. leaving it behind. But even before I was close to the finish line, I was like, focus, laser, do it. Just this one thing. So, hmm. Hmm. yeah. For me, it's just trying to find some way to bring these two together or choosing one or the other. So what happens for you guys when the fire goes out? When it's just work? Like when it's just... When the excitement is gone, the initial idea is gone, and now it's just the labor of, I've got to paint this sky. There has to be trees in this. Oh, I just stream so many shows, you have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> you zone out, and there's also the 100% the guarantee that the fire is coming back. Oh. The, like the muse isn't around right now, and that sucks. So I'm going to just grind, and it's going to come back. It always comes back. The 100% yeah. guarantee. Yeah. That the fire will come back. Well, it's about mm. finding the passion you'll never get sick of. And I think for me, it's video games and geek culture. Which right. is why I watch shows and play video games. So, like, I'll never get tired of drawing them yeah. when I need to. And new ones will come out. Yeah. 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 And some people are reductive of, uh, you know, game culture. They'll say, like, oh, man, people waste so much time on video games. But, you know, if we take the new Spider-Man game as an example, the story of it, I'm glad that my kids played that story right the lessons in it the moral ambiguity of like someone you admire who is doing things that you do not admire right the uh, there's all these like little environmental side missions where you have to like manage the water and hey air quality is important and oh man we should probably be recycling that like it sounds goofy but if your kid is going to be spending all those all that time right it's they're going to spend more time with it than it takes them to read a book Right? And if the lessons, if it's the right kind of game, if it's the right kind of narrative, if the people working on it have some heart, then that's going to come through and it's going to you know, really influence people. I think video games are you know, the novels of this century, mm -hmm. really, as far as like, what people are going to remember and think about the thing that was with them during that tough time. They'll think about oh, the time sure. they were playing yeah. Dragon Age you know, or whatever. Yeah, you can't watch a movie and if you suck at watching that movie, it stops and you can't continue that movie. <laughs> That'd be amazing. That would be amazing. It You're not tracks, paying attention. Yeah, it tracks your eyes. You're not worth it. You didn't see that thing going on in the background of the last scene. Yeah, you they, can't continue. We worked so hard making this movie, and you didn't even I notice. I kind of wish that was a thing. We're sometimes, deleting it from your computer Sometimes right I'll now. show someone a movie, and I really want them to pay attention to all the details, and they don't, and I'm just mad oh, at them. That's the worst. I'm like, fuck. Yeah. Yeah. And there's two sides of our brain. I partition my brain from, like, I have a show on and I'm working versus I have a show on and I'm watching it. Usually it's uh, when we do that, though, it has to be a show that you've seen before. Yeah. Yeah. You can't do that with anything new and interesting or your attention will be divided. We often come into the studio and our like greatest praise of a movie was I put on this movie. I wasn't too interested, but I actually stopped working and paid attention. Yeah. That's how we know it was. So we stopped good. playing it. I had to watch yeah. it on my own time. Working. Yeah. 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 And those are dangerous. So, like, what you yeah. have to do is you have to build in some discipline to say, like, when you feel that, 
stop yeah. in the workflow. Yeah. This yeah. is again a bunch of I've Todd turned management. movies off because I'm coming back to this later when I can really Same. pay attention. Actually pay yeah. attention. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I focus on like comedies too because yes. it's just hearing the jokes. Mm-hmm. I mean, sometimes it's a visual thing so you just look up every now and then. It's cool. Yeah. 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 We're rewatching Stranger Things in the studio right now, right, yeah. but we've all seen it, I think, at yeah. least once or twice. So you just so kind of listen to the. Yeah. It's like oh, a radio it's that play. part coming up, yeah. so we'll pay attention for a minute and then go back to listening. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah, it's not fun. many jobs you can do that, or you really shouldn't be doing that. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Sure. Heavy machine operators can probably get away. With it. <laughs> We're locked into the moon's gravitational pull. What do we do? We die. So is there anything coming up in either of your guys' uh, schedule this year that is going to be a competition to this, these big projects, these giant 100-hour-plus sinkholes? Well, I've also, I was, like, also inspired by the same friend that Greg, or Drake had mentioned, and now seeing what you're doing. I'm like, thinking about it, too. We were driving home. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yesterday on the drive home, we were like, I need to do a giant character piece. But too. the big thing was what franchise or what game or what movie or what show am I passionate about enough to pour that many hours into and actually care about the composition and narrative yeah. and, and Is it a real short list? Or what, yeah. in my case... That's it. It's a short list. What, a, what applies to the style. Like, what I would have fun rendering in my style, that property. And it's like, there's a pretty big disconnect for a lot of properties and my style so like just trying to find something that i would love that much yeah you was, don't you don't want to do something that like people don't expect in that style at all and just straight up don't like it. yeah they just won't like it because yeah. it doesn't fit right you yeah. know like there's so many video game properties that i like to play that i can't do pieces of in fan art because my style is like people be like well I, what does that have to why do does it look that? like that, yeah, <laughs> look like that? so uh you know kind of knowing um, the demographic yeah knowing demographic you too yeah, yeah but if you like think about your art like music you know like there's certain music that matches certain scenes and there's certain music that doesn't you would ask yourself why they're paired up I don't know some techno remixes of some classical music there's been some good ones there that's like your style though <laughs> you are you're like yeah it's, it's like digital remix of classic painting sweet yeah. I'm about to made f- of broken glass I'm about to finish my 200 hour piece though so I think I'm just gonna go back to eight to ten hour paintings for a while yeah yeah maybe just take a well, you, it's, make a break it's also really exciting to see how it does it, a break <laughs> yeah. it got all buggy when i said break, break? got all nervous looking like what's that i don't understand i'm on vacation and i brought all of my computers to work anyway yeah, yeah i'm I, a workaholic i'm pretty sure i kind of have when you first brought this up i thought oh drake's gonna be in town we can like go on adventures and go shopping and go see movies and no we've just been working and not talking yeah <laughs> just been working in the same room <laughs> but that's nice too that's good too we're having a conversation and we're recording it to prove that we spent quality time together <laughs> yeah i have a social life it's right here <laughs> um does travel impact your productivity when you return gets me excited to get back to work so you feel like a like a drive to yeah. get back at it. I, like at a convention, usually like end of Saturday, Sunday, all I'm doing is I've thought of a like five new pieces I'd like to get started on. And by the time I'm back in the studio, I'm fired up to, to get started on something new because I've been exposed to, you know, a hundred different Drake and Gregory's who have been working on stuff like we've been talking about. And now I'm seeing it all for the first time. It's overwhelming and very inspiring. And Yeah. yeah. That's how I know I'm a workaholic because whenever I'm not, 
in a studio and drawing or at work, I get like antsy to do art. <laughs> Even when I'm not at a convention. Like I was just on a two week vacation in Asia and like Japan and Singapore and I wasn't really looking at art or anything, but I like I kept thinking about it and thinking about, oh, what could I be doing later? Or oh, I should kinda of wanna do a piece like that. While I was just on vacation traveling, so I got really antsy and stressed out that I wasn't drawing. <laughs> I'm sure lots of people think about like you know, teachers go away and they think about the marking they have to do. That's, um, all, they, that's all they think that's about. That's all they really want to be doing. Yeah, that's all they want to be doing. Yeah. Dan is shaking his head vigorously, <laughs> but I won't tell you if it's yes or no. Just know that he's emphatic about his choices. Um, ladies and gentlemen, this has been Super Pulp Science, where we talk about how genre gets made. I hope that you can take some time management tips out of this, or at the very least, recognize that this is proof that we actually spoke to each other, spent quality time with Drake while he was on his vacation. This is our time management <laughs> right here. We're double tasking right now. All right. Thank you so much. Join the fight and make comments.